Welcome to episode number 45 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Sarah Blackstone Fredericks, who is the founder and CEO of Books in Harmony, which is a company that serves individuals and business owners focusing on strategizing a plan with their clients to track their finances which is obviously an incredibly important part of business. And we discuss how Sarah launched and grew this business, how she decided which clients to work with, how that's kind of evolved over time, how the team's been built, everything around this business. Such an important episode for founders, for anyone trying to start a business, knowing that the finances are so, so, so important. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you can support the show by leaving a rating and review and subscribing to the show there as well. And recently, I began coaching, helping people launch and grow businesses, helping people launch podcasts, providing some insights into this whole business world or podcasting at justgogrind.com slash coaching. So go ahead and check that out. Without further ado, here is Sarah Blackstone Fredericks from booksinharmony.com. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you for having me, Justin. Nice to finally be on the show. Yes. Excited to have you on here and talk about many, many things that I know very little about, admittedly. So (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be good. And with your business, Books in Harmony, how did this get started from like the way beginning? What were some of the first things you did to get started? Yeah. So for me, I think I was lucky because like, since I had been a bookkeeper and Books and Harmony is a bookkeeping firm that like we do bookkeeping, I had already had like an inside view of businesses and I had been working for a lot of businesses. So I decided to just reach out to some business owners and friends who I trusted yeah. and ask them questions. Just, you know, what did you do? What about pricing? You know, how do you find clients? Whatever I thought of, I asked <laughs> and I asked a lot of questions and I um, just saturated the people that I trusted and I knew that their advice would be well thought and it would be solid. So from there, I, I just was like, okay, you know, I'm going to just start out. I've been doing bookkeeping. I know I want to do it on my own. Yeah, I have a different model and, you know, the model is really just looking out for the client's best interests, but not working on site and making sure that they they feel taken care of. So that's just kind of what I went off of. And it was like, okay, let's just take this risk <laughs> and try it and see where it goes. And, and it's worked out well. That's awesome. And one of the things I was wondering though is with timing. So like, how did you get to the point where, okay, yeah, now I'm going to do this versus, you know, six months earlier or a year earlier, you know what I mean? Like, I'm always curious about that. So how did you get to that point? Sure. Yeah. Um, Timing, that's interesting. So I initially started bookkeeping around nine years ago and I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was really dull and I was like, there's no way, you know, I can do this. And I just never stopped. (laughs) So I would do other jobs. I was a teacher. I had, you know, art classes. I had like apparel design companies, but I would never really stop doing the bookkeeping. It was always happening for me or for another client. There was just always a client in the background. And it was really a confidence factor for me and making sure that I felt capable to handle somebody's finances on my own. So 
I'd gone from being an office assistant to an office manager, and I knew I was good at bookkeeping, but it was just a confidence factor. So it took me a good eight years to build up that confidence factor and realize I was just so miserable working for people and getting a check and having that predictability of going here on Monday and going here on Tuesdays. I had this flexibility, but the predictability was it was dull for me. Yeah. I really needed to just like go out and do things on my own and figure them out. So from there, it was December of 2017. And I was like, I'm just done. I'm going to just drop everybody that I'm working for under somebody else's business and, you know, just leave that behind and just start out. And it was just being willing, the willingness to take a risk. Yeah. And it, it paid out, thankfully. <laughs> yes, thankfully. That's awesome. And it's definitely a risk. <laughs> but in the yes. end, it, yeah, it seems to have worked out well for you. And, you know, I want to go a little bit deeper on some of those questions and the approaches you took to learn in the beginning before you kind of, you know, jumped in or as you were, I guess, early on in the business. Like, were you just meeting people for coffee, phone calls? Like, do you have like a set questions you're asking them? I want to go deeper on that because I know people typically don't do enough research beforehand, it seems like, starting businesses. Oh, so I'm yeah. curious on how you approach that. Definitely. So uh, I'm a lifelong learner and I love to read and I love to learn about people's processes. And part of the thing that I, I love the most about bookkeeping is being able to see the behind the scenes. I'm really curious about what happens behind the yeah. scenes. So for me, you know, education was a top priority. So I spent a whole month and a half, just every day reading, every day on websites, really finding out a good template that I could use and almost duplicate for my business by just seeing, you know, from people's websites, from their pricing, what worked, what didn't work, and kind of implementing that in my business and seeing what what I liked. As far as finding clients, I was constantly getting referrals from the fact that I was a really efficient bookkeeper. And so I knew referrals were strong because that's pretty much a, a guarantee that you've been vetted and that person hopefully has been vetted <laughs> and you're a good, a good fit. So I knew I wanted to work with referrals only for at least the first okay. year. And so I visited uh, BNI. Somebody had mentioned BNI, which is Business Networking International. Yeah. And it worked really well because it, it helps you refine your elevator pitch. And if you don't have one, you figure it out fast <laughs> that you need one and you need to be able to sell, you know, in 30 seconds, what you do, how you do it and how you do it differently. Yeah. Right. That's so important. So B and I really helped me and I was like, okay, the return of investment, it's really pricey. But if I get, you know, two clients and I learn how to effectively communicate what I do, that will be sufficient for me. And it, it really worked well, just learning how to network. And with, with BNI, they request that you like go meet individuals and talk about your business. So I would go to these coffees or lunches and talk about what I did. So inadvertently I became good at it because I had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with those meetings, like how many meetings were you going to? Like, was it weekly? Was it a monthly thing? Or oh, how often? I was meeting with probably 15 to 20 people Whoa. a month. I was aggressively networking <laughs> because I had around four clients when I started. I had like no work. I found these clients off Craigslist and I was like, I need business. 
I'm a single parent. I'm like, I have to like provide. So it had to be figured out rapidly. And that was just networking, um, going on chamber of commerce websites and going to mixers and really meeting people where you like them and they like you, because that's just the easiest person to work with. If you get along on a basic human level, then it's much easier to refer to one another. And yeah, so I, I networked aggressively for about six months. And I think that, you know, attributes to the way that the business grew yeah. quickly. Meeting tons of people. Yeah. Now we have 45 clients. <laughs> so you started, you know, obviously had a few clients to begin with that you said four or five before you kind of went aggressively networking. Correct. Yeah. And so we had, yeah, four to five beginning of last year. And then by June I had Goodness. 20. So I just, yeah, I, I networked and it was like, for me, it's like, there's no way but up. If you're at the bottom, there's no way but up. And it's like, how do I want to get from point A to point B? There's many ways to get there. And for me, networking is actually extremely exhausting. I'm, I'm pretty ambivert, but I lean towards more (laughs) introversion and, um, it's a lot, but it's like, if you are meeting with people and they're inspirational and they're teaching you about things that have worked for them, that really works. It works well to figure yourself out in the process. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing with the podcast and all these calls. And it's kind of amazing. Even like, because of how many, like for instance, this week is five interviews and probably five to eight calls this week. And then a networking event on top of that. And it's like, in theory, it's like tiring, but also energizing because you do talk to these people who are doing such cool things and you get ideas and you get inspiration. And one thing I also had to mention, you said you got your first first client through Craigslist. In 2012, I got my first personal training client through Craigslist. And it was in the summer of like going into senior year of college or something like that. And I got them for the whole summer back home in in Milwaukee, even though I was at school at a different city. And they knew I was just going to be there for three months and they still want to work with a first time trainer. So it's amazing. You just never know where you can find people. Yeah. Craigslist, Craigslist is great. And I think it's great because I I find that Craigslist can be for people who are more price sensitive. So it's a good place to dip your toes and kind of like see, you know, who works for you, who doesn't work for you. And then from there, you can really figure out like what your model is. Like, you know, maybe you want to cater to people who are price sensitive. Maybe you you don't, it's just what your model is. And, and Craigslist is a good place. To yeah. And out. along the way, so the last year, how has that progressed for you in terms of finding clients and figuring out who is the best person or the best, you know, companies to work with? Definitely. Um, uh, over time, I'd say we still predominantly do referrals. Uh, an excellent source for me was to get on Yelp yeah. for businesses. And, um, they definitely bother you to advertise, but I did no advertising. I just created a page and asked my five clients to write reviews and they did. And from there, it was like, I had good reviews and people were contacting me and I could really vet, you know, who was a good fit and who wasn't. So I think as far as like good fits with clients, it comes down to personality, whether you, you like it or not. If you're compatible on a personality level, then it's going to be a great working relationship for a high trust profession, like bookkeeping, where I'm in people's finances and looking at their bank accounts. If the trust (laughs) is not there and just the the natural um, curiosity about one another and like a friendly manner, then the the relationship usually dissolves very fast. So I try to make sure that 
the people are just friendly people because I'm friendly. And it's like, if you're friendly and you're fairly easygoing, even if you, you know, get anxious about your numbers and you need things, you know, if you have reasonable expectations, I can work with that. Like a good, a good example of this is I had a client and she was an attorney and she just didn't feel very trusting of me and of what I did. And I would go into office and she would like look over my shoulder and she would tinker with my work and then say it was me. And what some people don't know is there's something called an audit log in QuickBooks so I can see <laughs> who made changes. So I would look and I'm like, this wasn't me. So for me, it was like, you know, the, the respect wasn't there. The trust wasn't there. So it wasn't a relationship that was going to work. And I was like, you know, if I just find people that simply trust and are kind, then it's going to be a very easy working relationship and they're going to appreciate what I do. And I'm going to appreciate them for responding yes. to my emails, which is pretty much all that <laughs> I ask. So yeah, it's, it's really just been trial and error and we're trying to niche now a bit and we love consultants of all walks and, and service-based businesses because we're service-based business. We're very familiar with it. And we work with a lot of real estate agents and we really like working with them as well. So uh, we're just trying to, at this point, focus and hone in on like certain businesses so that we don't have to learn so many different types of chart of accounts, which is like the back end of like where you account for your yeah. transactions. And that's been working. Yeah, it makes well sense from us. an operational yeah. perspective of having the, the ease of taking on more clients yeah. and you can, you can manage more. And then one thing also, you mentioned we. So who is this team and who is involved in the business? Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a we. And I feel so lucky to have the amazing and supportive team I have. I stumbled upon my first team member, Cassie, just out of luck. Her mom and I were friends from apparel design school. And outside of school, I was working for her around eight years ago, I was doing work for her. And just last year, I finally got up to their summer house and we were hanging out at their pool. And her daughter was like, I need a job when I go back to school in LA. And I was like, you know, you are really analytical. You're really detail oriented and focused. You'd be a great fit. Come, you know, consider working with me. And it's been a, a great fit and she's absolutely excellent. And as far as expanding, I just put an ad on Indeed and it was really overwhelming because we're remote. So everybody, I didn't realize, like I set the parameters to California, but like I got like over a hundred applications yeah, in half an nuts. hour from out of state. And like, I thought, you know, minimum wage in California, but it's like out of state, that's a lot. And it was just crazy. But I had one request and that was that people complete like voice call interview, yeah. a phone interview and only two people oh, wow. did it. So <laughs> I was like, okay, two out of a hundred. And one of those people just happened to be Sasha and Sasha's just so amazing. She's really well thought and like cares really passionately for the work. And I'm really lucky because I'm really a straightforward and blunt person. And I have these two women who are very kind and they consider all sides and different perspectives. And they really help me with client communication because I can be a very curt person. Um, yeah. And then I just kept, you know, yeah. the, the indeed applications and I looked through and I'm a stickler <laughs> for spelling and, you know, grammar. So I noticed there were a lot of errors and then I only had about five resumes after I, I reviewed everyone and 
from there, I found my third person, Hillary, and she just joined us in January and she's, she's been great. So really it's, you know, as an entrepreneur, being able to let go of things (laughs) and let go of control and know that it's not going to be a clone of what you do. It's not going to be perfect in your eyes, but you know, close to good enough is, is always good enough because you can review and you can learn to delegate and just, you know, always be nice to them. Yeah, exactly. You want the (laughs) long-term relationship. It's so much easier. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah easier for your, for just mentally easier than also like from the, just the operational perspective, like it's just annoying and not great to have that turnover. And how did you know, like yes. when you wanted more people and when to bring more people on and that type of thing? Cause it's not necessarily straightforward, obviously like, oh yeah, now you start, now you hire someone else. Like, how did you know? Yeah. I think what really helped me in everything and, and why I'm able to, you know, uh, run this business in the way that I do is because I'm always reading. So I am never <laughs> not reading. I'm never not thinking about what's next and what I want to learn. So I was just on Google, just hacking every single site for like their <laughs> yes. free downloads, like hiring staff, hiring employees, hiring contractors. I read through every single thing possible and really uh, for my field. So Intuit has a lot of resources for accountants and bookkeepers and CPAs. So I was reading, you know, Carbon, there's like a task management for for accountants. I was reading articles and I was compiling, you know, what I needed to do. And I was attending webinars and hiring staff and, you know, just really listening to people who had done it. And I knew that it is much easier to bring somebody on before you have too much work than when you have too much work and you're stressed and you're trying <laughs> to train somebody and yes. get the work to them quickly. So for me, it was a matter of cutting my pay significantly, living really, really trim for a while and just paying people to learn what before we were busy. And it was a bit counterintuitive because I definitely wanted to have more profit, but I was in a, a good place where I wasn't too busy to train. Like now with, with Hillary, it's been hard to train her yeah. because I'm so busy. So I'm just like, read this article, you know, and I, I have the team kind of help out and train her. But it's much easier, I think, to bring people on before you're busy. I recommend it. Yeah. And that's that's incredible foresight to know that. And it, it comes from, like you mentioned, the reading and everything. I imagine when you are like a voracious learner, voracious reader, you learn, you pick up on things that would be so helpful moving forward that you just never would have thought about. Right. And it seems exactly like because that yeah. really is like some incredible foresight to be like, oh yeah, well, if you're busy, then it's so much harder to bring someone on because then you have to train them. Like you're doing multiple jobs. So it's, yeah. that's difficult. Yeah. And yeah, I imagine that just has to be a very difficult and tough thing to do. I wonder what I thought about too, when you were talking about this was how much do you put into like, in terms of the onboarding process, having like videos or other things that you can replicate for people that come on later or how much of it is just like you said, like giving an article or something to read, like, how do you handle that? Definitely. So we have like a a task management software called Asana. That's amazing. And I am the template queen. So I draft templates, templates, templates. So I have an onboarding template for, for new staff and it's got articles. It has attachments to different webinars, all sorts of resources. So first 
you know, I, I interview them and I give okay. them a few personality tests because I'm type AA. So I'm, I'm really a <laughs> difficult person at times. So it's really helpful to know that somebody's going to be able to work with me and, and not take offense to the fact that I'm really straight and direct and it's nothing to you. It's just that I'm busy. I'm going to give you the information right. and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And so first it's, you know, personality and I'll interview them, you know, everybody's remote. So I'll meet them on zoom. We'll, we'll talk. And then I talk to the team about the new person a bit and like, what I think they could do and see my team's feedback because we work as a collaborative and we all are equal. Nobody is above anybody in any way. So I want everybody to, to get along and I want everybody to be able to work with each other. So, you know, sometimes they'll be like, ask them this question, see if they have experience with this part of Excel. And I wouldn't think of that. And from there, we just try it out. So I set up an engagement and it's just a trial basis, you know, five hours a week and just really kind of try them out and feel them out and they can feel me out and feel the company out and see if they like working with us and if it's a good fit. And we recently had somebody where we tried it out and she wasn't really clear of, of what she wanted and it was just not a good fit. And she was like, I love working with you guys, but you know, this isn't the best fit for me. And yeah. I was like, you know, great. I'm happy that, you know, we figured it out early. So sometimes it's just a matter of trying it out, but I would say, make sure that, you know, they have a personality that's compatible with, with your yeah, personality. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned there too, with, with the remote team and wanting to work remote with clients and everything, can you explain that dynamic and why you wanted to have that remote environment and how, you know, how challenging that can be? Definitely. So for me, like it was coming to a point last year I had you know, my, my five clients and I was going on site and it, it's very challenging when you have multiple clients and you're on site and then another client needs something and you're not able to address it. And occasionally you run into like something that's urgent and it with finance, there's not too many things that are urgent, but occasionally there's something that's urgent and you can't get to it because you're right. with another client. And I just realize, you know, that the time spent commuting and the time spent going to each client's office, this would be much more efficient if we ran it remote. And then, you know, you're able to shift as needed in the day and, and plan your day. So you plan, you know, this client on Monday, that client on Tuesday and another client on Wednesday. And if needed, you know, you could work on your Wednesday client on Monday and you're not going to run into a snag where you don't have something that you need. It's an office, vice versa. So really it's for efficiency. And I really appreciate the fact that being remote, you have to be efficient. Like if you're not efficient and you're remote, your <laughs> business will just crumble. So it's really worked out well to, to just kind of remove that time spent on the road and enable us to shift gears and focus on different clients as needed. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit there too, with managing your time and the day. I'm wondering more about that. I love the details. Like how do you structure your day? How do you structure your week? You know, how many hours you're working? Obviously you said a mother as well. So like, how does the time management piece play in this? Yeah. So I wake up early. I tell everyone who works with me, like the first thing you should do is, is frame your day. 
So, you know, make some tea, get settled, and then frame your day. So what that looks like is I review my Google Calendar. I look at my tasks in Asana. I check emails and I make sure that what I have set to do, they're top priority. And if there's something else that needs to be added, I make sure that I can accommodate it. A big trap that we fall into as entrepreneurs is saying yes. Yes, you know, I, I'll do it right away. Or yes, <laughs> I'll get to it. And I did that so much when I was starting out. And it was so stressful because I was up till midnight trying to do something when I could have just said, you know, you asked me last minute, please give me a week. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned to, you know, really set up really positive boundaries and make sure that what I'm working on day to day is what I intended to work on in that day. And I only take calls by appointment, so I don't answer my phone. My staff, they'll text me or email me and I'll get back to them. But I make sure that, you know, I'm focusing on the day and I don't just try to squeeze things in because usually you're pushing something else out that is probably important as well. Right. So that's a, a good thing. And and recently with the business, we've implemented onboarding times, which is we onboard new clients at certain times of the month. And then Ooh. we take another part of the month to actually get settled into our new workflow. And that's worked out really well for us. How often is that throughout the, the month? Yeah. So we do two weeks onboarding and we'll decide how that is. So if it's the first through the 15th, we onboard new clients during those dates only. And then the 16th through the 31st is getting settled in new work and scheduling appointments with potential clients for the following month. And that's worked out really well because with the ups and downs of business, your workflow is consistently changing and clients are constantly, you know, coming in. They're constantly, I have clients who constantly say they want to start doing their own bookkeeping. So I might train them and then they're going to start doing it themselves. So the workload is going to crescendo and fall and there's total ebbs and flows. So just figuring out, you know, settling into a workflow has helped us because it's really stressful when you just say yes, yes, yes. And then you have <laughs> too much work and you can't get it done and you can't meet your expectations from clients. So that's worked well for us. When did you implement that? And how did you even think of that type of strategy? Oh yeah. I just implemented it last month. How did oh. I think of it? I don't know if I can remember. It was either speaking with somebody about it, like at a networking uh, luncheon or at my BNI and somebody was talking about efficient ways to run a business, but it was something that I heard somewhere and I wrote it down in my notes on my phone. And I was like, I'm going to try it. I think I was speaking with a massage therapist and she was mentioning something about workflow. I yeah. can't remember, but I, I just, it clicked. And I was like, that makes so much sense. And <laughs> yeah, it does. I That's ran it by, <laughs> I ran it by my staff and they were like, yeah, that sounds great because we are so stressed sometimes because we get uh, just a, a flux of clients and it's like, what do you do? Like, how do we, we, you know, manage this workflow. And it was just a stressful month to like a really quiet month, a stressful month to a really quiet month. So it just, it clicked. And I was like, yes, I'm doing that. I'm implementing it right away. <laughs> yes. And the next day it was like, we had something written up for it. So, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I heard it somewhere through the grapevine. <laughs> that, and that's awesome about running your own business. You just say, oh, you hear that and you just do it. <laughs> you just yeah. implement it. You don't have to wait. You're just like, all right, well, yeah. it's going to help us. So let's make this happen. And great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm person. I'm like, don't wait. Just like 
try it out. Like the next day you can change something and just change it and see if it works. And if it doesn't change it back the, the following yeah, day. Exactly. You have the ability to change your mind. <laughs> exactly. It's a right. You can do that. It's okay. Exactly. And what other, I mean, you've kind of mentioned a few challenges, but what other challenges have you faced in business the last, you know, the last year or two you've been growing it? Definitely. Um, growth has been slow. So with the model that I have, I, you know, want to work with people that are easygoing and business owners and entrepreneurs, they're not always that way. So very true. I'd say the challenge for us is the fact that we don't have everyone on board as new clients. We talk with probably 10 to 20 people a month, and maybe two of those will convert to clients. Maybe, you know, maybe sometimes we don't have new clients in a given month and that's okay with, with the model that, that I work from, you know, I really want quality clients over quantity. Yeah. So it's just been slower to grow. I was thinking about that the other day, like we could easily have a hundred clients, but our stress level, our, our work level, our quality of life would be spread thin just to have the numbers. So that's not been a goal. And I think that's also a struggle because it's like finding those business owners where it's like, they're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for them. And making sure that it's a good relationship. I'd say efficiency was a challenge at first because tracking work when you have multiple clients, it can often slip through the cracks and you forget things. And using Asana has just been a lifesaver for everyone because we have it on our phones, we have it on our computers. And if, you know, we get something, we can forward it from email to Asana, we can just create a quick task and that makes us accountable to make sure that we follow up. So that's been great. Just keeping everything uh, in Asana, in the cloud, tracking passwords in the cloud, and just, just being mindful that it's our job to be organized. So we, we need to stay organized. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And as you move forward yeah. with the company, so, you know, what's the vision moving forward and, you know, what are some of those next steps that you'll be taking to make that happen? Yeah. So the vision moving forward is to just keep growing and, you know, slow and steady to me always wins the race. So, you know, the slow and steady growth has just worked out well for me and for everyone, because we all can adjust. So by the end of the year, I'd say we'd like to have closer to a hundred clients and have a really efficient workflow. I'm thinking maybe bringing on one more person because we're, we're a team of four now, maybe being a team of five and just growing mindfully. I really like to be cognizant of the fact that it's really important to have hobbies outside of work and have time for things that you enjoy doing outside of work and not let the desire for growth consume the fact that I need downtime and my staff needs downtime. So just, just slow growth for the next 10 years yeah, and then maybe sell the business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's, it's so like, obviously there's so many different perspectives. That's why I love interviewing so many different entrepreneurs and like, you know the clients you want to work with. You're being patient in that. You're okay with the slow growth, but it's like saves you so many headaches. And in terms of growing a business yeah. and even having a business in the first place, like most of the time people do it because they want the freedom and flexibility and to do what they want and work with who they want. So it's like we're getting wrapped up, it seems like, in this growth 
phase of like at all costs and but for what you know what's the point exactly what is the point so i I love that i love hearing that from you and it's definitely like reassuring as i'm you know trying to do some of the things i'm doing as well and like yeah just patience and keep doing what you want and you don't have to sacrifice you know Mm -hmm. think of long term what you want to be doing and that's something that's super important and you mentioned kind of stepping away like taking time off and what what does that look like for you in terms of you know when you kind of take time away and how you know how you know when it is time to kind of take a little bit of a break yeah it's funny i get asked this a lot like people are like you're an entrepreneur, you run your own business. Do you never have time for yourself? And I'm like, no, I actually always have time for myself. (laughs) I put it on the calendar. So I calendar time to go to archery. I calendar time to go to the gym. I calendar time to take classes at community college because those are the things that enable us to go back to work and feel inspired and feel motivated to do well. And um, as far as a vacation, I actually, I took time away last November and I I took my daughter for two weeks. We went to Europe and visited my best friend over in Germany and went to to Paris and we went to Switzerland and it was great. And pretty much I'm a huge planner and (laughs) I planned ahead and I figured out what things were going to look like. And I let clients know in advance that I was going to be away and that, you know, they could contact our team and I prepped the team, you know, this is what you should answer. This is what you, you should let them know that I'll respond to when I'm back and it was so smooth. I deleted my work email when I landed uh, in Europe. I deleted my work email and I was off. Wow. And it was phenomenal because I just, I set it up. You know, the expectation was I was going to be gone. November is a really quiet month in general for bookkeepers, not for CPAs. And so it was a really good time to go. And I'm so happy I deleted the work email because I would have felt inclined to check it. And I just, I needed to recharge. And from there, when I came back, I felt so inspired. I actually kept a notebook and was like writing ideas for the business. So when I got back, I could like implement them. And I like thought of all the clients we had and I thought, you know, how they fit into the model. And from there, it was just a really good refresher. And actually, uh, April 1st, we're closing for a whole week and I'm going to go to Hawaii and I'm going to meet Uh, Sasha, I've never met her and she's originally from Honolulu and we're going to meet and hang out and, you know, just taking that time to just disconnect and let everyone know you're going to disconnect and you come back so recharged and and way more helpful to your clients than if you're spread thin and and stressed. Yes. And I like that you schedule it in because I think that's important. Otherwise it can just keep slipping and slipping and slipping and you'll never actually do it. Yeah. My calendar, it's crazy in all these colors and it's just different (laughs) things that I do. So whether it's volunteering at my daughter's school or, you know, going to the gym, I make sure I put it on my calendar. So I'm mindful. This is what I'm going to be doing right now. And, you know, scheduling in work. I've recently started co-working actually, and I'm, I'm headed to do that this afternoon with a friend. He's a CPA and it's been really great. We go to a cafe and we get a little bit of chit chat and, we get to, you know, just be out and work together. And, and that's been really great as well. So Yeah, I will definitely vouch for the the co-working. I have, so I'm lucky to have a, a best friend who has a company. And so we're always, you know, there's always things to work on and things to do. And actually other friends of mine as well, one of them has another company and we'll do that same thing. You go to a coffee shop, go for three, four, you know, yeah. whatever hours and you can, yeah, you can chat yeah. in between. And like, if you get tired for a second, you're like, Hey, how's the work going? You know, what's, what's going on? And then yeah. you come back to it, but you're still working. You're still getting things done. It feels like, am I really working? Like, but things are getting done and you're just hanging out with your friend. It's like amazing life hack. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I can't believe how efficient it's been. And it's it's so exciting yes. to like go and work with each other because especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're a solopreneur working for yourself in your home, you know, my team, we're all remote, so we never see each other. <laughs> it's it's kind of lonely. Yes. And whether you like it or not, it's great to have somebody where you can just socialize. Yes, <laughs> I will highly suggest that to people, especially solo entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like, yeah, find the person, just like do a work session, and yeah, you can have a little mm-hmm. chit chat and uh, also get things yeah. done. Obviously, and you never know what ideas would come from that too. I've had some ideas pop up through just like you're working on something and you think of it, and you can get like feedback right away, just quickly saying, "Hey, have you ever thought about this?" And then boom, talk for a little bit, then back to work, and they have an idea and they bring yeah. it up, and it's just. If it's the right person, it, it works out well. You may have to, sometimes people are maybe too chatty, but yeah. oh yes, <laughs> I'm guilty of that at times too. <laughs> but you know, find that right person is important. But in terms of like, obviously you have the workflow and all that you've done mm-hmm. throughout this last like year growing the business, like what are some other you know, specific books or podcasts or audio books or conferences or anything that's kind of helped you along your entrepreneurial journey here? So... Intuit hosts uh, QuickBooks Connect every year, and I was lucky to be able to go to that for the first time last year, and it was amazing. So, you know, finding a conference with like-minded individuals that are doing what you're doing, like what Intuit and QuickBooks is moving towards is towards, you know, remote practices all in the cloud. And so I met all these people that do what I do, you know, they work in the cloud. And actually, surprisingly enough, so many people were inspired by my model that people were asking to work for me and asking to talk with me because it's like I had implemented everything that they wanted to. And, you know, it was just from a decision of, of I'm just going to try this out and do it. And that was just really inspirational because I met some people that had been running remote practices. They had a hundred clients. They have been doing it for years. They've hired people. They fired people. These are their tips. And, and that's just, you know, really helpful when you're growing to meet people that are like-minded and ping pong ideas and figure out what works. And, you know, somebody might be like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't say it like this because the person will interpret it this way. And you're like, Oh, I I never thought of that. So that's phenomenal. But as far as books, I'm all into books that offer perspective and drive curiosity for you to think about the bigger picture. So for me, that's totally self-help. Like I love the genre of self-help and you know, it, when you are in balance as an entrepreneur, then things fall into place. And if they don't, you can handle it effectively without having a meltdown. So that's just been really great to, to read books on efficiency. So for me, I like The Seven Habits of Highly yeah. Effective People by Stephen Covey. I like The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. It's really inspirational. It's like, telling you like if you just focus on one thing you know you have you can grow 300% because you're focusing and my favorite favorite which i listen to on a monthly basis is manifest now by idila med and it's about kind of the power of your thoughts and you know when you think about somebody and then they call all of a sudden you know that that coincidental way that life <laughs> works and really just opening doors for for yourself and I have all these books under my bed as physical copies and I have them as audiobooks. So I'm always opening them up for inspiration. Right now, I recently started Digital Minimalism. It's really interesting because I've been looking at how much time I've spent on social media and I've decided to 
stop being on social media and really make it like only for business. I'm on social media. It's like a task of the business so that I have more time to read. And I always find that, you know, reading about positive ways to improve the business works. I tried some books that were like kind of authoritarian and they, they stressed me out (laughs) because it was like, you're doing things wrong and you should do this and just made me extremely anxious. So I really like positive books that really help you see all perspectives. There's also this one I listened to in Europe. It's called The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. And that one was phenomenal because it gives you different personality characteristics and it helped me understand my staff and how they respond to feedback and criticism and the best way to communicate with them. So that was a really good book as well. So there's lots Awesome. Yeah. There, I mean, there's so many out there, right? You just got to yeah. get started so <laughs> and like many. find something. Yeah, I mean, I have yeah, yeah bookshelf yeah. full of them and then an audio, um, audible account that has many, many books in there. And yeah. then, yeah, it's like, there's just so many, they're so good. And I, I think I've kind of talked with yeah my best friend about this as well. It's like, even the books, even if you don't take something specific, it's like being in the mindset and like reading, like puts you in like a state of mind that you're like learning, you're open to things and you just think of ideas, even like the same book again, like, like reading it or listening to it again, or like just a book that may not be super tactical, but gets you, gets you ideas and gets you thinking and just puts you in that mindset of like growth and the mindset of like, what ideas can I think of? And I think that's important as well. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And I'd say, you know, being successful, really, it, it starts with the mindset and it starts with, you know, the way that people interpret your persona and who you are. Like, you know, as a consultant, people want to work with you because they like you because they trust you. So, you know, if you're able to, to work on yourself, then you can be your best self, whatever that looks like to you. And that's just been so positive for me, especially with my staff, because like I value them so highly and they support me and we support each other. It's, it's just always being flexible and always being open to, yeah, to growth and really having a growth mindset and not being fixed yeah, about it. I things. 100% agree. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things I wanted to just kind of shifting gears a little bit here, and I didn't really talk about much, but in terms mm-hmm. of someone like a business owner, you know, looking to get a bookkeeper, hire a bookkeeper, like, or that whole process, what are some things they should know, things they should look for? Like, I realized I didn't ask that yet. I'm kind of curious about that as well. Oh, yeah. That's fine. I always recommend to like figure out what your priorities are. So if you're thinking about getting a bookkeeper, it's important to consider, you know, what matters for you and kind of expand outwards from that. So I always say start from like a bubble map, which they're usually used for like describing adjectives, right? And you're at the center of that. And what are your positive attributes? What are things that you're good at? So maybe you're excellent at, you know, sales and meeting with clients and maybe you're excellent what you do professionally on a professional level. But when it comes down to bookkeeping and, you know, finance, it's, it's a skill and it's being able to sit down and focus and get it done. So whatever that looks like, whether it's an Excel, whether it's just a piece of paper and you're tracking every single expense, it's the fact that you're willing to sit down and get it done ideally on a weekly basis, but on a monthly basis works because what happens is 
you know, you have this luncheon with somebody and you forget and it's, you know, been three months and you have no idea what it is and you're trying to work backwards. And then it becomes this really charged and stressful situation and you decide, oh, I can't stand <laughs> bookkeeping. And oftentimes it, it's not that they don't, they can't stand bookkeeping. It's that they, they are not disciplined enough to right. do it and be consistent. And so if you think you can't afford it, you know, you should consider if you mess it all up, then it's going to be a lot more for right. a professional to fix it. And I see this a lot where people download the software and we work in, in QuickBooks Online predominantly and they, you know, get things linked and they just start working in it and there's no training and there's no understanding and they, they feel negatively about it. So then it's all just a big tangle. And, you know, if you just set some intention, like I am an organized person, but I don't feel capable right now of handling the bookkeeping money's tight, but maybe I'll, yeah. I'll start out with some training and see if I can manage this. And, you know, an honest professional will tell you, I think you can do this. You know, I think you have the personality. That's always what I indicate in training immediately. It's like, you have the personality to do this, but I really <laughs> don't think you should be doing this. Right. What can <laughs> Let's you do? figure out some <laughs> options. And yeah. So really it's, it's just being able to sit and be a little bit disciplined and, and write down expenses attract your expenses, look at your bank statements, review it. And, you know, some, maybe it's every month you get your bank statements via online statements, print them, and then just write personal business, personal business, whatever it is, you're, you're tracking it. But the indicator really is it's on a personal level. Cause I see people who can afford it and they don't want to. And I see people who can't afford it and they value it. And they're like, you know, I can't handle this right now. I really would like to focus on growth and high level things for my business at the moment. Yeah. That's what's important. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Depends is a word that is very <laughs> well known in entrepreneurship. Yeah. It depends. Like what should I do? Well, it depends on like, yeah. many factors. I hear that actually in business yeah. school all the time because it's like every scenario is different, but yeah. it is nice to have some perspective though on exactly. at least certain cases. And, you know, it'll give you at least some idea of what to do in, in certain like situations, but it's helpful. It's very helpful. And what is some other, if there's anything else you could would say to like aspiring entrepreneurs or business owners, any other advice that you kind of picked up from, you know, running your business the last year plus here? Definitely. I'd say the best thing for me is having event buddy. Ooh. So I have a, a fellow entrepreneur and on a weekly basis, we have a call and we talk about the challenges that we're, we're facing as young women of color who own small yeah. businesses. And we just, literally hop on a call and we're like, man, I messed up this week. Like I didn't get payroll done in time or, you know, man, like my staff is really haggling me about having more of a flexible schedule and I really need them to be reliable. Like we just, we vent to one another about our challenges and that really helps us not feel alone and isolated in what we're doing and give us perspective. And then we can think about things and kind of implement changes. Like I, I had a call this week with my friend and she uh, was trying to implement some changes with her staff and the way she pays them. And she has the tendency to overshare. <laughs> and so she told me her spiel and I was like, that's way too much. Refine it. Like right. leave this out. There's no need to say this. Like if you go here, you know, you're going to open yourself up to liabilities. Like we have totally different perspectives. She owns a house cleaning business. I have a bookkeeping firm. Like we're totally different. But 
there's so many similarities that it helps us really figure out what we want to do and where we want to change and and just feel like you know relieved to just be able to, to yeah share i mean at the end of the struggles. day we're still humans right <laughs> like an entrepreneur or not you know we all have certain exactly. needs we all you know can be lonely it can be such a challenge to run a business yeah. and having that sense of community is incredibly important um we actually had an event at usc a couple weeks ago it's part of my language but it's called mm-hmm. fuck up nights and basically entrepreneurs share their, oh, cha- wow. their like biggest like fuck ups and like challenges that they've had to deal with and so we had a panel on there and it was like everyone was raving afterwards it's like so nice to have this like space like aa for entrepreneurs and so it's a it's yeah. a nice thing to have that <laughs> it's nice to have that type of community yeah it's fantastic and i think too often it's like you ask friends how's business wonderful. great everything's <laughs> great but it's like yeah wonderful you know how how's every like no i'm stressed out i'm trying to pay you know the quarterly tax payment it's really high <laughs> like i you know i overstated like income like whatever it is you want to be able to acknowledge your mistakes and i think that's a really big thing too to be able to like acknowledge your mistakes right. and listen from your mistakes because yeah. there's always a lesson tucked in those mistakes and like if you can figure it out after like a second or third try, because usually the first try as an entrepreneur doesn't always happen, <laughs> then you're good. You're solid. You know, you undercharge. Like we had a lot of undercharging last year and it was like, wow, we really need to refine our pricing. And now it's like, we finally got into a place where we're profitable and it's, it's not costly yeah. on our end. So yeah, learn from those mistakes and be open to new ideas. Yeah, that's great. And, and Sarah, where can people go to learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah. So we love for people to check us out on our website, booksinharmony.com. And you could feel free to email us from the website. You know, you could email us at info at booksinharmony.com and we'd be happy to just chat with you, you know, see what we do. If you have a question, we can probably give you excellent article because we have a huge (laughs) database of some articles that can help you. Awesome. Yeah. Look forward to hearing from from people that have questions. Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and learned a lot as well from you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Justin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.